500th episode. I'm coming in hot from a hotel in St. Charles, Illinois, which is basically just rich Iowa. Um, they say it's close to Chicago. It's not. This is the 500th episode of Probably Science, a thing that should have died 400 episodes ago, but we keep it going. I'm Brooks Whelan, and I'm excited to be here with three of my best friends. I'm Andy Wood, equally excited, equally surprised. This is still going on. Yes, I'm I'm Jesse Case, and I I think it's it's got to be episode five seventeen or something if we're counting. I don't know, Bo- probably histories and various bonus things. various bonus and, things. Sure. Yeah, sure, it's too much. It's too many. Yeah, and I'm Matt Kirshen, and I don't think we've done enough. I think yeah, we we missed a few we missed a few weeks. We should be on at least a thousand by now. We should have gone to two weekly. Uh, we should have. We could do more. We can do more. Yeah. Okay, but, but um, we did – here's my thing is like we did do – we started with probably history because we would have a, a historical story in like the first few episodes when we were way prepared. And then we would – remember we were always talking about the guys who um, like dug up bones and then – Oh, the, the, the bone, bone wars. Bone wars. So we did have like a probably science history aspect at the beginning of this when we were all like way more involved. That's true. Well, then after you left, we also had a spinoff with the late, great Richard Bain that was actual probably history that we only did probably five installments of. That was yeah, a lot more research that, intensive on just It was part. way too research intensive. And it was uh, it, but it wasn't like science. It was just it'd be about like, um, I don't know, like the anti-pope and stuff. The weird <laughs> Avignon thing. I forgot about the anti-pope. There was an anti-pope for a minute. There were if two he comes in contact for... with the pope, it's the end of the world. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they can't meet in person. Um, yeah. No, the the papal schism. Will you explain that to me for a second? It was, so there was one pope like in Rome and one that moved to France, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the, the clergy was going way off the rails, you know, with the uh, the Borgias there, all their orgies and whatnot, you know. And they work out which one's which by which way they go down the plug hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one quick one one quick uh, note was going way off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, went way off the rails. Yeah, sure, uh, was also was more so off the rails, and uh, it, it was off the rails. There were no rails in sight. There were no rails anywhere. Zero rails. Zero rails, and um, and there was uh, the papal schism happened. Which is a good like uh, de- death metal band, yeah. You know, uh, and they set up shop. They set up a different Vatican situation in France for a while. The anti-Vatican. The anti-Vatican. Yeah. God, they're always schisming. Yeah. There's gonna be a new Exorcist movie. Speaking of which, I saw the trailer last Exorcism? night. Exorcism. Exorcism. Uh, no. Speaking of movies and uh, science, anybody here seen Oppenheimer yet? Yeah, I saw it last night. Yeah, I I have not. I'm 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 wor- I I don't like this trend for you know glorifying physicists. <laughs> yeah, there's too much. I'm just too like, much where does it, it end? Yeah. Where does yeah, it I end? I know. Is it I gonna know. be a Dirac movie? I don't know. It's just too much. It's too. Yeah. What Jesse? What was your um, review? My my review of Oppenheimer. Um. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think uh, I I don't know if it was. This is a weird thing because it's like a bad faith review about the public, but I don't think it was heavy handed enough for a lot of people that know nothing about any of that. Like it should Uh, have been more like we need to learn a lesson than it was. Or what do you mean? No, it's just it was just very. uh, No, no. I mean, I think the lesson is pretty clear, you know, but it was um, it was kind of nuanced and and that's cool. It was just also like the, the cats are like having a war behind. Them. Sorry, man. It's like distracting there for a second. Um, no, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think it was a bit too long. Uh, you know, it's three hours long. Um, Why is it three hours. God. Yeah. Three hours long. And I just no, no movie. No movie should be longer than 90 minutes. That's that's two movies he's made. Put it in two movies like. Yeah. No, exactly. And it was sort of split up into two parts. I also know this is. It's one of the few times that I would pitch not using practical effects because I found the 
you know, not to big spoiler alert, Oppenheimer uh, helps develop the atomic bomb, right? Oh. Uh, yep. And they did a test. <laughs> oh, of he's it. that Oppenheimer? Is <laughs> that one? Yep. And they did a they did a test of it, uh, and they, but they filmed it practical. So they just used camera tricks with like lesser explosions. And so it's, it's underwhelming. Uh, it was underwhelming to me of the fucking terror of an atomic weapon. It's yeah. like if you're going to use CGI, do this one, this one thing. You can't right. set off a real nuke or, in your movie. Or, well, or, or do that, you know, like have some confidence in your filmmaking, get a nuke. And, you know, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Stop being such Did- a cheapskate coward about it. What if, what if with the new, the true, like, the thing we've all been worried about since 1945, um, uh, Christopher Nolan does for a movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Did I do that? Who, which, which movie directors in history do you think would have at least tried to set off a real nuke? I'm just trying to think, because there were enough sort of... Yeah, Herzog, yeah, Werner Herzog, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like... Yeah. Early days, yeah, Kubrick definitely. I'm thinking like also early days of Hollywood, sort of you know 40s and 50s when they really could just sort of introduce entire species to an island and just go like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it, this is here now. <laughs> yeah, we're making a say, movie. We're getting rid of your cliff. I would say whoever directed Milo and Otis would probably be okay with sitting off. Yeah, some nukes. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise 100 percent would be like, we have to use a nuke. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We set up a thousand nukes over the last two years to prepare for there's this. A, there's a whole government program to not let him read scripts with nukes in them because he'll, <laughs> he'll lobby too hard. To t- <laughs> C- can you believe how underwhelming that? I mean, I haven't seen the whole movie, Mission Impossible, but like just to like ride a bike off a cliff and then parachute, like they spent two years and how many? I'm like, no one would have cared if that was green screen. Green screen is good now. Um, okay, I have. I saw Mission Impossible. Um, and I saw it at the Highland Theater, which is in Highland Park. It's $6 on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So, like, okay. it's great. Oh, wait, there's still a movie theater that does that? Because I used to uh, – well, I still do live near, but it's now – there is the Vista movie theater is currently shuttered and has been for two years waiting for Quentin Tarantino to finish refurbishing it. But uh, they would do that like matinees as well. It would be like really cheap matinees for, of whatever the big blockbuster movie is. So Highland Park still exists. Yeah, Highland Theater. It rules, dude. I, it's because because it is very similar to like the Los Feliz Three, which is also uh, used to be owned by the same people as the Vista, and it's cheap and it sucks and the quality's terrible and <laughs> and you get the people <laughs> in there who are um, you know you're gonna get the crowd that's seeing a six dollar Mission Impossible movie. Sure. And, right. uh, it is a bootleg that's streaming, so like you're watching other people in a theater being filmed from yeah. the <laughs> every so often head like silhouettes of heads appear like a mystery science. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a fight did happen in the theater during the movie. Uh which I'm like, this is why I love this theater. Everyone's laughing because the dialogue is so bad. Every single dialogue is just like, there's a bomb. We've undetonated the bomb. Oh no, that started a nuke. The nuke's gone. Oh, God, now they're in space. Like, it's just that after that after that. And so people are dying laughing, like, because it's really bad. And (laughs) some guy goes, it's not a fucking comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It looks suspiciously like Tom Cruise in a Groucho Marx glasses. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, dude, did you work on this? Go see it in the IMAX then. Dude, have you have you guys seen um I so I went and saw Indiana Jones and they had like uh I hadn't been to the movies in ages. Hadn't I I mean I go to this cuz I'm a douche. I go to this like indie theater that you know that plays like all the weird stuff. But but I hadn't been to like a a blockbuster, like a real movie theater, right? Um with with real candy and whatnot. And they had like um too many options. It was IMAX and then 3DX, I'm like, okay, that's probably 3D. But then it had 4DX, and I accidentally got a ticket to that and, like, thought I was going to die. Have you guys... <laughs> f- 4D, that's where they, like, wobble you, right? That's the fourth it, dimension, according yeah, to science? Yes, <laughs> that, like, according to according to the fine folks to, at Regal Cinema, the fourth... It's been a long time since I did, you know, I, re- I remember back to geometry from the f- first year of my de- math degree, but... Uh, well, maths, so I, as we called it, and it was yeah, like the the four main dimensions are 
uh, you know, it's like up, down, left, right, in, out, and wobbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's yeah. and blowing, blowing steam in your face. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I smells. sit down. I I thought, okay, I thought 4DX just meant like you know uh, a brand of the speaker or some, you know, like a Dolby or whatever. Yeah. So, so I sit That's down. That's right. Was I'm, it not Einstein who said the fourth dimension is smell? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so you eventually, this is like a the start of a Mr. Bean episode. Well, I sit down, I'm on a date, and, and I immediately know something's wrong, because where the cup holder should be, a button says, turn water off. And I was like, what the fuck is about to happen? And then, like, it just, the, the, the movie opens with a train situation, and it go, it's not like a wobble, like a massage chair kind of wobble. It, it, like was violent like you're losing your popcorn i don't know if they didn't calibrate our row or whatever but but like i was i had to like sort of crawl to safety we found some handicap seats that weren't moving and, and i mean it, it was bananas it, and like but there was no heads up you don't have to sign a waiver i was like this is gonna make it like a month before they're sued I like thought the was, end of this was going to be it. She left me for the vibrating seat. No. <laughs> and she stayed uh, She stayed put. It was crazy. Um, okay, quick, uh, quick question. Uh, review of Indiana Jones uh, 7 or whatever it is. Not seen yet. Neither have I. Uh, be- better than the last one. You know, d- of course, doesn't, I don't think, holds up to the first three, but that's expected. Um, but better, yeah, better than better than the last one. I mean, it was good. It was it was a proper Indiana Jones movie. I think they got the vibe. Okay. Um, it wasn't Aliens. It wasn't because that was the last no, one. No, no, no it, it wasn't Aliens. And it, uh, Mads Mikkelsen was great. He's the it was like the main bad Always guy. Always is, yeah. Um, it didn't do too much fan service, which I enjoyed. Like it didn't wink at the camera. It just tried to give you a fun, funny adventure movie. Good. Um, so, I, fucking, I hate that. I hate yeah. the sort of. Oh God, it makes me cringe. Yeah, me it's too. Just like designed for. This will get a round of applause at Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, just sort of- like there was no like he falls into a fucking train of snakes. No, I mean, there was like there was stuff like that, but you didn't have to know he hates snakes. It wasn't for like the the nerds to go like, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was just, you know, I thought it was a fine romp. It was very Spielberg-y, even though Excellent. he didn't direct it, you know. Yeah, it's good. It's worth it's worth seeing. But don't ever if I got the 4DX ticket for Oppenheimer, I would have died. I would be dead right now. <laughs> I don't even know how they would pull that off. By the way, in Oppenheimer, after they detonated the bomb, did uh, that refrigerator door open up and Indy rolls out unscathed? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot. If, I've, which was that? Was that the last one? I think that was dial. I mean, pick that of, was the most. <laughs> the alien one? Uh, Crystal Skull, I think. Crystal yeah. Skull, it? yes. The one about the vodka. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd vodka. Did Oppenheimer say his famous line after it went off? Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I do love um, the line about one of the other scientists, the Manhattan Project, when Oppenheimer was coming to some meeting. It's like, are we gonna let that crybaby in here? <laughs> uh, that was a uh, Truman. I think uh, Truman was like, I don't oh, want to see it? that crybaby oh, okay. in my office anymore. Which is like sort of, I mean, I guess I don't remember the exact timeline, but he didn't say that Bhagavad Gita quote until like years later, right? Well, I don't want to reveal anything from oh, the movie, okay. but when when you first hear him say it, it is not, uh, it's a different kind of bombs going off. You know what I'm saying? Wait, maybe I don't, but is, is he, he farting? farting? No, the H no, He's having sex. He's, he's having sex <laughs> when he first says it. I am become death. Yeah. And you're just like, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, I have a, I have a, well, I have a theory, and a, this is a pivot, but it's still movie-related uh, pivot. Um, the movie Rust is coming out, right? Oh wow, yeah. yeah. And what if it's incredible? Oh. Yeah, is that good or bad? Yeah. First case well, scenario, <laughs> they give Alec Baldwin wins an Oscar. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah it's undeniably good. Like you can't ignore it. You're, you're like, well, eh, yeah. Guess it was. Guess it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Didn't, so, what happened with all that? He got acquitted, but the, it was the armorer. I mean, um, she was asleep at the wheel, man. That the, the, I don't, the armorer I that, was like on loads of blow or something. Yeah, like how did the, that not become the ultimate uh, case study in why nepo babies are dangerous? 
I didn't even know it was a Nepo baby. And she's thing. like a 23 year old who'd never been the head armor of a movie. And her dad was in that business and she was just like, you know, didn't take it that seriously, was out partying, was hung over. And she was like loaning mm. out the guns over lunch break to people to actually go target practice. And yeah, it, it, like ah. I, it's purely just like, don't hire Annette people because they're someone's relative and this person will be alive. I mean, really, it's like the producer's fault for being not, you know, they should have had oversight onto that and not been cheap the way everyone's getting cheaper and cheaper. But right, approximately, it's like that is the person whose job it was to make sure there's no bullets. Sure. Yeah, that is the the one job thing. Yeah, yeah. That's your only. That's the that's the ultimate. You had one job. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very. Yeah. Uh, that was like a horrible situation. And I think. Yeah, I'm like, not uh, making light of it. It's just like. No, I know. I I know you're not. I. Uh, but you can. It's it, like I'm. I uh, I'm no Baldwin. I'm no huge Baldwin fan. You know. Um, I don't, not a huge I don't fan think of his Alec. family is. I don't think he. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you could see, like, he's not that good of an actor. Like, you could I see mean, in, the, in the photos, it, like, when he was, like, making the phone call, like, when he was, like, calling the cops, he's like, what the fuck, you know? Like, he, he I think it, it messed him up pretty bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not enough to uh, not put out the movie. No, I know, dude. I, it's the whole thing is ridiculous. I know, I know. Well, I, I mean, like, you could argue either... <sighs> I don't know. You're supposed to. I mean, like, they put have, out the crow, right? They, they still right. put out the. Yeah. yeah. And the Twilight Zone movie. Jesus. I mean, that's the ultimate one. Yeah. And Milo and Otis. Right. Right. <laughs> and like the the actual film of the atomic bombs being dropped. <laughs> right. Right. And that and, movie uh, of the train going into the camera. That cameraman died. Mm-hmm. That's, how they, that's how they did it. That's it. It hadn't occurred to them yet. Dude. Yeah. So what do you guys, th- I, I mean, all everyone in pop culture right now is talking about this crazy confluence of, can you believe on the same day, Barbie Oppenheimer and probably science's 500th episode, it's I know. Barbenheimer. I know. <laughs> yep. Prob Barbenheimer is happening and it always comes in threes. They always we've say. Always seen the, we've seen the memes that everyone's done of the, you know, mm-hmm. the three of us in pink blowing up and yep. it's, yep. yeah, it's. No, I saw a lot of people last night uh, at the movie theater. People were in in Andy costumes. Um, people were in Matt costumes, Brooks costumes. It was pretty nuts. A lot of summer country t-shirts I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from old schools. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Uh, okay, so country's back and it sucks. <laughs> it sucks hard, yeah. It's not summer country now, or it's not country summer, whichever way it goes. No, and it's shitty, and I have like a theory, like a theory uh, that – we're we're going back to the '90s. Okay, hear me out on this. I read this book called The '90s by Chuck Klosterman. It was it's really really good, um, and he talks about what like '90s country actually rocks. It does rock. It's upbeat. It's fun. It's Alan Jackson. It's Garth Brooks. It's just like we're having a good time. It's fun. It rocks. '90s country rocks. 2020s country is racist and terrible, but it's very popular right now in the same way that '90s country got popular because. Uh, in the 80s, everybody who liked music, they liked um, like uh, like Guns N' Roses, Poison, fucking Warrant. Like it was all like Def Leppard, whatever. All feel good music. And then grunge happens and it all turns into like kind of, uh, you know, depressing music. And so people who don't want to be depressed, they turned to country. That's why 90s country blew up so big. And Garth Brooks was the biggest artist, literally the biggest solo artist of all time. So the country kind of goes away. I'm I'm living in summer country in 2010 when we still have feel good music because we have like Kanye, like before, you know, and we have like all this good rap, all this good indie rock. And now 2023, uh, rap is back to being like so sad and mumbling and like, I don't know, you know, like it's 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 basically grunge rap. Okay. Fucking, there's like barely any rock bands anymore. So people have deviated back to country. The only difference is this country fucking sucks. Well, maybe it's not time yet. Like an, like more time has to go by because like. I I still think if somebody I still think if like you know way down yonder in the Chattahoochee like that would still be a hit if it came out today people'd be like fuck yeah dude hanging on a river yes 
You know, I think it would still work. I totally, I totally agree, but that's not what they're making. They're making, have you no, heard, not, making... not uh, try that in a small town? Do you guys know about this fucking fiasco? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard the, I've heard the stuff. Go, I mean, go I haven't listen, heard the... go listen to it. Cause like as bad as the lyrics are, the song itself is even worse. Like it's, well, that's what I was thinking. Like it's, it's gotta also, it, it's not like a Mozart shit behind no. it. And then <laughs> And the guitar is just ripping off the riff from Beat It, which I don't know if that's intentional, like Beat It, Get Out of Our Town, or if it's just like, yeah, we're just ripping things off and the lyrics are racist. No, dude. And, okay, so I was camping up in Montana, and what I like about camping up in Montana is we don't have any service and we have to listen to this, like, one radio station, which is just current country hits. And it's kind of fun because we pick, like, Song of the Summer every time we're up there. And this this song came on. And we're like, well, this is racist. Then the music video came out. Have you seen the fucking music video? It was oh, yeah. like oh, filmed yeah. uh, filmed less than an hour from me, the uh, Maury County Courthouse, and it's where a lynching happened. Oh God! Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure lots and of also, bad things have happened. Also, places, he's but... from Macon, Georgia. Right. Like he's from he's from the same place that half of REM came from. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And and Otis I'm, Redding and Little Richard. Like it's a big city. Yeah. That has I'm bummed out he represents all the deans. I think he should only represent one or two deans uh, at most. Too many teens. I just love Brian Cook's response to it where he's talking about uh he's going list line by line and talking about all the times those things did happen in his small town. He's like, Small towns suck, dude. Yeah, they robbed a liquor store in my town. They they did all these things. Like, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, Mark Agee, friend of the show as well, very well, who grew up in a very small town. Well worth following on that. But um, uh, people hate the cops in a small town. They yeah. hate them. I, I, it's like you know them. They're the people that picked on you in high school, and then it's <laughs> the, they're power hungry. Like it. To a new level, it's. I grew up uh, until I was eleven before we moved to Nashville, an extremely small town in uh, the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And yeah, there were like three cops everyone knew and hated, and that's it. That's. Oh yeah, the guy on my swim team who was older than me, and he would stand next to the freshman lane as you're finishing your set, and like have his belly up to the lane line, pee into your lane, so you swim into his urine as you're finishing the set. That's the guy who's a cop now. That's the guy wow. from my team. My, my joke yeah. was uh, try that in a small town. That's about um, women looking for health rights, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's about a, it's about setting up a new uh, a new clinic, and you, you know, guys, you'd have to go to a new clinic. Um, probably if you were um, uh, if you were bitten by a venomous animal. Cover yeah, your I ears, don't. Brooks. I know. I just thought for old time's sake, we got a snake story for Brooks uh, that was sent in by. I saw what you put up and I kept trying to talk so we wouldn't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a new species. The Chef Ozzy sent this in. I'm guessing it's from Australia, but I'm, I've, I've gone from a different news source. I've gone from a news nine news website rather than the Daily Mail site link. Uh, but the desert whip snake has been mistaken for another species for decades, but is determined to <clears throat> has been determined to be its own species through research. Uh, mm, no one ever is looked that at the as much of this story before. as Brooks Weird can deal balls. with? Should we go ahead? I'm looking, at a a I'm looking at a photo of it now, and I honestly just kind of scanned my room to make sure it's not in here. <laughs> New story. <laughs> it's, That's enough for Brooks. No, I mean this. I mean, talk about I, I, talk about it. I I just like. Well, no, I just, I just mean in a broad sense. Let's we don't have to get all into the nitty gritty of the species itself, but in a broad sense, what how they confuse it for something else? Like they thought it was something else for years, then they're like, oh, this is its own thing. Yeah, the desert whip snake, also known as Demoncia cyanocasma, has been distinguished from other species via genetics research by University of Adelaide geneticist James Nankavell, alongside Perth researchers Brad Marion and Brian Bush. Uh, SA Museum honorary researcher Mark Hutchinson said this snake was often confused with other species due to similar physical characteristics. It's a really successful and widespread animal. It's just that it's taken this long to be able to work out. It's actually a distinct species, not the same thing you see on the West Coast or the East Coast. Um, the species is common and found in desert areas of Central Australia, Eastern parts of Northern Territory, and across Western Australia. Um, a lot of the discovery has happened inside the museum walls using genetic samples and matching them to the bodies the genetic samples came from. So, okay. so okay, this snake, um, it's just, it's transgender. It, it, it used to be a different snake, and now it's like, that's not who I am. I'm actually this snake. It's very beautiful. 
I mean, you got to admit, Brooks, if you're looking at the same picture I am, this is a very pretty, it's got an ombre to it. Like it fades on the picture here. The tail is kind of a burnt umber fading into a silvery blue towards the neck and then back into this uh, beige head. Is that called an ombre? What, what? Ombre is like a fading of one color to another, I think. Oh. Also just a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, also a bad dude, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, sorry about that, Brooks. Um, no, it's okay. I, I, like, I've been to – I've done shows in Australia, and I tried talking about all their venomous snakes there. And I, I tried talking about the Taipan snake and how I hate it. And, like, it's in Melbourne. And they're like, what? Like, that – and then I figured out it's like if they came to like LA and they were like, "Where, where's the bears?" You know, I'm like, "They're not <laughs> in the city." Right, 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 right. Yeah, I have yet to see a bear. I mean, I kind, I kind of like to see one if was, if I'm inside or something. I've yet to see a mountain lion. I've seen. I saw three coyotes. I saw three bears last year in Montana. Like three grizzlies. It was. It was. Uh, it was cool. Jesus, how far away? Uh, um, uh, we were in our car, so it's not that scary, but, um, I don't know, 50, 50 yards. They know how to open car doors now. They know how to do all kinds of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Do they do the trick with the tennis, like the half tennis ball and the suction? They're doing cocaine. Wait, what's the half tennis? Oh, to suck out the, uh, lock or something? What what is that? Yeah, that was, I, I think that, that was... I can't remember exactly how it works, but that was old car doors used to be able to. One of the ways you could get into them sometimes if you locked yourself out was like half a tennis ball and you put it over there and then I think you bang on it and it's the pressure like bumps the lock or something. I got, that, okay, that sounds right. Yeah. Well, I got like something people will tell you how to do on TikTok. You just know that you're not sure if that's how you rob a car. It's just what you heard. Yeah, yeah. Someone, <laughs> some, someone, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, so someone, uh, a friend who lives in a different town, told me, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I looked at. Uh, so I I hadn't even looked at TikTok. That's not one of those. I don't watch TV. Proud of myself. Things. I just never got around to it. Um, not opposed. Never got around to it. And I looked at it because um, I was finally like after I saw the latest TikTok discourse of like these uh, non-playable character ice cream eating ladies or whatever. Um, I was like, I'll check this out. Like, what's happening? What is this is too weird. And I just scrolled through TikTok live. And since I don't follow anyone or anything, I don't really have an algorithm yet. So it's just people like selling wigs uh, and like <laughs> fake shoes and stuff. But it made my brain feel different after like 10 minutes of it. I was like, this is like, I don't, I don't know what sort of weird psychology is happening here. It's with- different from Instagram something yeah i mean it just felt it was it was an overload it was like a sensory overload where i was like man if people are doing this for hours every day not to sound all old but no, uh no. yeah i was like man this is this is weird like it felt it felt very dystopian no I think t- that's, yeah, yeah. T- tiktok scares me like i have it but i don't look at it because uh i think it's like crack i really do where because uh, it doesn't stop. It keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And um, and it figures out what you want to see. So it's just showing you more things you want to see. And uh, Instagram, I'm already addicted to, which is like, you know, cocaine. But I'm like, I don't need to do crack and cocaine. You know, that's how sure. I feel about it. If you got enough money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the good stuff. Sure. Um, you know what would also hurt? Uh, yeah, this what's is a cuter one for you. you. This is, is a little amuse-bouche for palate cleanser for brooks i hope uh yeah what what uh, what's also bad for you is uh staring directly into the sun no one should do it and yeah. um, also by, by the way just before you go into this story which was uh by which was sent in by now i don't know the name of this of this listener and patron patron uh but that because their uh their email address name says brody c but then the sign off is b chandler so no idea no idea. I can't. I, I don't know. So about yeah. Brody C or B Chandler, maybe it's two people who sh- share a, an account. It's but, probably like uh, a couple, like one of those couples that share an account. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably joint yeah. accounts. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a- uh, also I, I I misread this sentence in B Chandler or Brody C's email that says, con- it actually says congratulations on getting married to Matt. Also, 
but I read it as congratulations on getting married to Matt. Also, like like you guys had all we married all... me. Yep. So thank you. Uh, not, uh, not, thank... Try try that in a small town. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, uh, you can't do it. Yeah. But before we get to this story, I just want you to know that it is a known thing, the tennis ball opening a car door, and it oh, okay. has also been myth-busted. Uh. So, it is a known myth. It is a well-known bullshit that can't, doesn't actually work. That Damn. they have The Mythbusters tried it multiple ways and failed to open any car doors with it. Are there any type of balls that could be used to open a car? Yeah, squash balls work. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Um... Well, guys, uh, in China, they have this new telescope, right? <clears throat> it's the world's largest telescope array, and it's almost ready to stare straight into the sun. Oh, it's uh, just going to ruin it instantly. Why would you do that? I, I know. I know. Uh, China's newest telescope uh, setup could help warn us about future solar flares and plasma eruptions. So it just completed construction on what is now the world's largest telescope array at the edge of the Tibetan Plateau. Uh, the country plans to aim it at our sun as part of what one expert is calling the golden age of solar astronomy. Um, it costs about 100 million uh, yon. Yuan? 100 million. 100 million yuan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boring. Uh, 14 million US dollars, which I don't know how much telescopes are supposed to cost. Seems cheap. Seems low. The, Seems very low. For the largest telescope array, it's comprised of over 300 million antenna dishes. Oh, it's because they're still using dish, not using cable. That's why. Oh, that's why. Way cheaper. Yep. Uh, 300 antenna dishes situated in a three-kilometer circumference. Uh, and it is. It's just like a circle. That's a, a giant circle. Initial testing will begin in June 2024 and will focus on an upcoming increase in solar activity over the next few years, particularly in how solar eruptions affect Earth. The uh, terrestrially situated DSRT is what this is called. It joins NASA's Parker Solar Probe oh, and the yeah. European Space Agency's Solar Orbiter, launched in 2018 and 2010, respectively, uh, in ongoing efforts to study the sun's complexities. Radio telescopes such as the DSRT, uh, this is the, the one that's being built here in China, um, they're especially helpful when studying activity in the sun's upper atmosphere or corona, such as uh, they can detect things like solar flares. Um, which is a, considered a solar weather event. Another solar weather event, a coronal mass ejection, involves hot plasma eruptions that release high-energy particles, which then can travel to Earth. This radiation often damages power grids and satellites, such as what happened in February 2022 when a solar storm blasted 40 Starlink satellites out of orbit. Oh, I didn't hear about that. So, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if we pop down to the comments, Ross Hendricks asks, did the Starlink satellites actually leave orbit or just electrically damaged? Good question, Ross. And so we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> that, but yeah, that's a good question. If anyone knows, let us know. Well, yeah, is this going to solve any of the mysteries of like what the fuck is happening with weather right now, with the heat dome and the El Nino and uh, everything I mean, breaking, I think that almost breaking solved. records? I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we kind of know what's happening with the weather right now, right? It's the uh, coolest summer of the rest of our lives. This is an optimistic, fun way to look at it, right? <laughs> yeah, gla glass half full. Glass yeah. half full. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you like that, Brooks? That got me real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we are enjoying the coolest summer of the rest of our lives. How yeah. is this only $14 million? I mean, you guys, have you seen the photo? Did you look at the photo? Uh, yeah, it does look pretty what elaborate. What the fuck? I'm going to look up a movie that costs $14 million real quick. Well, I don't it's even called know Rust. How, yeah. I don't even know how you would make a fake non-telescope one of these for $14 million. Have you seen what fourteen million buys you in LA? I think it's a two bedroom, one bath. Right, <laughs> right. Um, it did knock them out of orbit, by the way. It increased okay. atmospheric drag by at least fifty percent, which is pulling the satellites back down to Earth shortly after launch. All right. Well, I assume now, Ross Hendricks listens to the pod, especially the five hundredth episode. So there you yeah. go, Ross. So we'll put the link to that in the show link as well, in the show notes as well in the mm. SmithsonianMag.com article. There you yeah. go. Guess how yep. much go, guess how much white chicks cost? <laughs> are we are you still talking about the, the movie or are we talking like human slavery uh 
Like I'm talking the ta- I'm talking the Wayne's Brothers movie. Okay. okay. I thought we were talking human trafficking. Um never mind, I don't have any of those answers. <clears throat> what what's going on? I'm just I was trying to like put fourteen million dollars into like what you can buy with fourteen million dollars. So I was looking I at know. white chicks cost twenty six million. Oh my god. <laughs> That's how much? Twenty six million? That's what two, I guessed. Two how, solar how t- oh, you're guessing. Okay. What's the answer? Yeah, we, I, I assumed Brooks had looked it up. Is, well, hold not? on. It had that really big song in it. The Terry Crews doing the Vanessa Carlton. It's $37 million. $37 million. Oh, so, okay. so it's like, it's like $2 million at least for the Vanessa Carlton. Uh, yeah, That's absolutely. Amazing. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like for $2 yeah. million, like we did white chicks for $37 million, but white <laughs> chicks also made uh, over a hundred million dollars smash at the box office. <laughs> Right. Well, I just I, so what you're saying is for the price of this solar array, they they could have made half of a comedic masterpiece. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Which, by the way, uh, speaking of blockbusters and shit, to get back to Barbenheimer, is anyone else think it's weird that can you believe two blockbusters are coming out on the same day? We don't know that they're blockbusters yet. I kind of think they're both going to sort of flop like nationwide. Like, yes, people on the coasts are going to go see them, but they've, they've already done good. I looked, um, and really? I think it was actually, I I think it, as much as I hate studios, I think this was smart to be like, let's put out these two movies together because it's created more buzz for each movie. It's the best marketing I've ever fucking seen. It, 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 I agree, but it's also kind of like, now I have this instinct to like resist it because it's being forced on us. Like, hey, hey I'm going to see what I want to see. Don't, right. don't make me... Also, the Barbie trailer looks so dumb and derivative of like Lego Movie and Pleasantville and Elf and any number of, oh, can you believe her perfect world has been shattered and maybe all is not as rosy as it seems? Like, it's the most obvious take on a Barbie movie you could possibly come up with. Sure. I mean, it's a, it, it is a movie about a Mattel product. Yeah, but Lego Movie was great. Well, that's just because of that fucking song, uh, yeah. which is the... The everything is awesome. This is like one of the best songs ever written. Try that in a small town. <laughs> you know, what if the 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 uh, the the uh, in uh, in track of Barbie is try that in a small town? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay. Um, also, have you guys t- touched on Ocean Gate? Uh, when it was hap- when it was still not found out what had happened, we did talk about it a, a bit. What's what's your it's just the, I think like every once in a while a perfect story happens and that was my favorite story because like what I like about it is at no world could I see anyone I know being on that submarine it's not possible so I don't okay, feel right. bad for this and it was made shitty and then we get this cherry on top of the Blink-182 step son and I it, know. <laughs> it was just perfect I know <laughs> I, I mean, know. I still feel bad, but it's like a, the way I feel bad about Everest accidents. Like, I feel way worse about Everest grand. accidents and I, I, than getting in this game control machine and fucking going down. <laughs> and you sign like 18 waivers of like, like what they said was they were like, we're not certified because um, they can't keep up with our technology. That's the reason. That's the excuse. They, they also, all of the passengers are actually classified as crew. Like, they're, they're like, they're like, they sort of say like, yeah, we give everyone tasks and jobs to do on the thing. You're doing science when you're down there. But the real reason they did that is because that lets them classify them as crew and not passengers, which has much stricter regulations on what you can. Oh, if if like you have a passenger, yeah, if you have employees. a passenger ship, there's much stricter rules about what you can and can't do and your liability and everything. Oh. But, in, but you can kill. This is America. You can kill employees. Sure. Right. Is that why the air, is that why airplanes give those little wings to kids to come up to the cockpit to remove liability? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they tell he you was a, he was a pilot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should have taken over. To be honest, when when the main pilot crashed out, like if, re- if anything, it's his fault. So, so I, I there's a real sports where they um the last one they interview uh like one of the foremost deep sea diving guys in the world 
and um, they're like, what happened? And he's like, well, they would hear they because I was like, oh, they didn't know what was happening. I don't know where he's like, they heard some creaking for maybe like a few seconds. And we're like, oh, right. Yeah. Um, it not not only would they have not known what happened as it was happening, literally the speed at which the implosion happens and and killed them is faster than your neurons can fire to compute the concept that something's gone wrong. Well, like before, it's, it's literally faster before than you can, they could even. It's yeah, faster it's, than you can feel pain. You know, it's like. Yeah. Uh, so before anything, either conscious or unconscious in their body could actually react, they would have been obliterated. So that's sure. better. It's better uh, than dying peacefully in your sleep. You want to die blissfully excited to see the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and explode before you even know what's like. It, there is no sort of quicker way to basically remove yourself from existence. Like you've gone, uh, like gone instant. <laughs> what I didn't realize is that they would have also cooked before they, as they imploded. Right. All at the, one... the pressure. Yeah. They actually, they actually quite possibly, sort of instantly flash fried and then exploded. Right. Exploded? But they found remains exploded because they... it it implodes. The pressure builds up crazy. They get incredibly hot, like ridiculously hot, uh, cook. And then because there's a mixture of hydrocarbons and oxygen and incredibly high pressure and temperature, that would have then exploded out again. So like a supernova kind of like bounces in. Yeah, and, yeah and exactly. Out. Yeah, they, it would have like imploded and then exploded and created new elements. And and we are all made of exploded submarine dust. Mm. Because, I, yeah, I didn't know about the the goes back out explode part because when they brought up the debris i was like okay that does not look like everything i've heard about them having a quick death you know what i'm saying it just looked like kind of a fucked up submarine that was a little squished and i'm like that yeah, looks but, like suffering but no, it, it would have come in so quickly <laughs> but it, it would have come like, in then out again and the pressure yeah okay but it's like having the weight of the eiffel tower dropped on you no for sure for sure but then i just didn't know then then back out again you, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. But at that point, everyone's already, yeah. Also, sure. Jesse, this could be, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with government conspiracies. It's pretty far down there, probably pretty hard to find. They might have just thrown, like, a broken sub off the, like, side and then been like, we found it and pulled that back up. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think they, they said they, they brought back remains. They uh, they like found remains. Yeah, and JFK so wasn't murdered by the uh, FBI. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I know, but I I don't uh, I don't see a reason for there to be an Ocean Gate gate. You know, right. yeah. I, I don't want to live in a world where there isn't an Ocean Gate gate. So the conspiracy is you get the billionaires down there. So it's like uh, George Soros uh, got got. I oh, know he has a bill. How would this work? Who funded this? Well, they were using on this. That's my question. They were using the submarines to run people back and forth to the Epstein Island. The, oh, so it's then, like an Atlantis thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the 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 only part of the Epstein Island that you can see that's just above the water. Okay. But below the water are the Epstein creatures that live in their civilization. It's like a Morlocks and Eloys sort of thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like they, if you go down further, that's when you really get into the Epstein Island continent. Uh, yeah. And the whole I mean, thing's a Soros funded, uh, the whole thing. If you, um, if you know about the jab, of course, you know, yeah. Brooks, what's your take on RFK? <laughs> Should we be worried about RFK or not? I'm treating RFK like how I treated um, uh, hashtag MAGA, where I don't know what it's about yet, and I'm going to wait until I have to figure find out what it is. Like, I ignored whatever MAGA meant for like a year and a half <laughs> until I was like, fuck, I got to look up what this means. You know what I mean? And I'm doing the same thing with this with RFK. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hope I don't have to learn about him. I did it with Mr. Beast. Um I was like, that's not a thing. I'm not going to learn about him. And then he bought a town and now I looked him up. Oh, yeah. I just I learned about him like three days ago. And it was what a bummer. 
Yeah, no. Uh, so Mr. Th- Beast was also, by the way, but one of the people who could have been on the submarine. Oh my god. He was he was invited by the guy and turned it down. But didn't didn't he sort of get called out for that though? Is like that as he kind of made that up? Yeah, it people were like that's a very Mr. Beast thing to make up. Because he he showed a screenshot of a text that he he himself sent. Like, like it was like, oh, that's as if right. it was written from a friend and then he had to, and then he was like, no, no, my friend was sending me to remind me. And it was just like, oh, you just tried to make up that you were almost on the sub. If Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> if Mark Wahlberg was on that sub, it would have never yeah. imploded. It wouldn't it would have been, happened. His different. strength would have stopped the implosion. Yeah. But Seth MacFarlane also just barely didn't get on that sub. I heard mm-hmm. that's why we have family guy. Yep. I almost, I think I told you guys, I could have been uh, on 9-11, right? Did I talk about that? You could have no. been on 9-11 is yeah, the weirdest way to phrase 9/11. it. Yeah. I, could, <laughs> I could have been you know, on 9-11. If, if I'd read a few more uh, pieces of propaganda, I was nearly, I was on the cusp. I nearly went. I nearly, <laughs> Man, I nearly almost, fought for. You almost went to 9-11? That's crazy. I, al- I almost. What he's saying real? is he did not pass flight school, so he didn't get to do it. I know <laughs> it's harder than they make it sound. <laughs> no, I, 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 I thought I would talk about this, but like no. uh, I was working in Boston for Price Waterhouse Coopers, and this is 2000, and I was like, I don't want to be. I want to be on the West Coast. I'm a California boy. I know this, so I was like, I quit. I'm going out to work for Sapient, this dot com consultancy in San Francisco. And the PwC people are like, No, no, you don't have to quit. We can just transfer you to our San Francisco office. I'll put you in touch with Pat Quigley. And I had these emails with a guy who was helming this team of recent college grads from the San Francisco office. Uh, and I thought about it and I was like, I don't know. Consulting's not for me. I want to be want to be in the mix for this dot com shit. This isn't going to last long. I want to see what this is about. And then fast forward a year and who is on the second plane but Pat Quigley and his team of recent college grads based out of San Francisco who were flying back from Boston to San Francisco. So you, so your, your, boy, your buddy was... On on the plane that hit it, yeah. If I'd taken that job, and I mean, who knows what could have happened in a year? But if I'd stayed on that team for a year, conceivably, I could have been on. You his could team. have sto- you could have stopped nine eleven. I mean, been a national there's, hero. There's that too, but yeah. So you wow. No no disrespect to use. I'm not yeah using actual names. I don't know if that's weird to do, but like it's no. Just, I mean, they're uh, victims of a horrible a yeah. horrible tragedy. You know. Yeah. Um. No, that's uh. Yuck. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, that's awful. That's awful, man. Yeah, that's um, okay. That yeah, I got, I got, not, I got. No, I, know, I haven't. Sorry I haven't to almost, to, uh... No, no. I mean, I haven't almost been in any. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't had any final destination. That was almost me. Moments, you know. Yeah, and it's not that direct. Like, it's not like it was a week earlier and I quit. It was a year. Who knows what a year could have, you know? Sure, changed, sure. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe something cheerier, guys. Maybe something about how this whole bomb cyclone, no, bo- heat dome, El Nino, all the craziness that's happening. Uh, maybe we can actually find a productive use of all the AI technology that we're all apoplectic about. So there's a new AI system that could speed up our ability to create weather forecasts. Well, now the meteorologists are going to go on strike. I mean, I'm all for this kind of stuff. <laughs> this is like if radiologists go out of work because we've now gotten way better at detecting cancer. That's a win-win. Like right. I no, no. don't mind losing jobs. Well, no, it's a win-lose. I'm sorry. It's a win-win-win-win-win-win-lose. <laughs> Win-win-win-win-win. Yeah. Uh, so no, I'm all, I'm all about uh, computer modeling for things like weather forecasting. Absolutely. Yeah. So as climate change makes weather more unpredictable and extreme, we need more reliable forecasts to help us prepare and prevent disasters. Today, meteorologists use massive computer simulations to make their forecasts. They take hours to complete because scientists have to analyze weather variables such as temperature, precipitation, blah, blah, blah. However, new AI systems could significantly speed up that process and make forecasts and extreme weather warnings more accurate. Two papers published in Nature today suggest the first developed by Huawei, my favorite Borat-based company, um, (laughs) details how its new AI model, Pangu Weather, can predict weekly weather patterns around the world much more quickly than traditional forecasting methods, but with comparable accuracy. The second demonstrates how a deep learning algorithm was able to predict extreme rainfall more accurately 
and with more notice than other leading methods, ranking first around 70% of the time in tests against similar existing systems. Mm. If adopted, these models could be used alongside conventional weather predicting methods to improve authorities' ability to prepare for bad weather, says Ling Shui Ji, a senior researcher at Huawei. Uh, to build Pengu weather, researchers at Huawei built a deep neural network trained on 39 years of reanalysis data, which combines historical weather observations with modern models. Unlike conventional methods that analyze weather variables one at a time, which could take hours, Pangu weather is able to analyze all of them at the same time in mere seconds. This is this is exactly what we should be putting our efforts into when it comes to AI. This is a... I mean, it's all sort of... I know at least in America, the, the models that they use are already machine learning. I mean, I'm sure they do take longer. Well, yeah, it's not like people with, uh, but, you know, slide rules. And, yeah. Yeah, but but like uh, weather, I mean, weather events are charted and the atmospheric conditions at the time are charted during said events and all of that data gets pooled. But that's also reanalyzed for new forecasts every time. So it, on its own, it's gotten more accurate over the years. Right. But here's just, a just on that its it own. Could, it could, you know, have a big leap in accuracy, hopefully, or at least speed. Speed. I think I think speed. Absolutely. We definitely need that because it's a fucking nightmare waiting on. Have you guys been to a uh, pivotal weather dot com? No, it's, what it's is that? Uh, if you go to it, uh, I'll put it in the show notes or put it on the thing here. Um, it's free. It's it's what the meteorologists use. Right. Like when you're watching the local weather, they don't have their own satellites in space. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's the it's the weather models um, and the future outlook models. If you go to Pivotal Weather and click on models, you can use the different computer models that are used. There's uh, HRRR, GFS, HRW. These are the North American models. How did I forget that Jesse is a weather nerd? I don't know how this <laughs> escaped my... Uh, <laughs> and it's uh it's fucking amazing man it's amazing it's all on zulu time so you have to like subtract five hours or you know depending on where you are Wait, but, what's uh, zulu t- that's not greenwich mean what is zulu time uh zulu time is is general time yeah greenwich mean oh okay so so right now for me i'm in central i'm subtracting five so you guys okay. would subtract seven why is it called zulu uh i don't i don't know it's just the z it's just the general I think it's just that's what Earth time is called Zulu time. Oh, okay. I'm looking at these models and I, I can't make heads or tails. This is so much data. It's uh, it's fucking fascinating how far out it goes. Like it'll go by forecast hour. So if you look like hour four, hour five, but some models will go up to like a week. Um, But it gets like. I'm amazed at how accurate it's gotten. That's my point. I'm I'm amazed that it can give you like, if you click on a spot in the map, it'll say click for point sounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's you say point sounding. It's called a point sounding, and it's what will it's the probabilities of events at a certain point on the map at a certain hour, and it'll show you the data chart. So this is what if if you click on it, you can click anywhere in the map. It'll show you this is just what meteorologists are reading. This is what they look at um, to decide if there should be a watch or a warning or whatever. And oh. yeah, I have trouble making heads or tails of it, too. But I mean, uh, click on point sounding. It looks like what you have on someone's laptop in a either sci fi movie or like a heist movie when someone's like tap, 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 tap. We're in on their. Keyboard yeah, yeah, or yeah. Whatever. It's like, a total just like Star Trek template screen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, I got I. I will look anyway, at I love that shit, man. I will I will look at this. I have to go. Like right now I have a meeting at right now. Uh okay. but uh five hundred episodes, guys, is is a pleasure. Happy 500, 500. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks Absolutely. for joining us. Right. See ya Brooks. Have fun in Illinois. Now that we've outed the house, it's also kind of crazy that uh Dan Harmon's partner, Cody Heller, is a showrunner of jury duty. So like a lot of the development of that show was past guest Andrew Weinberg over at my old house working with Cody, which I didn't realize till Dan Harmon posted about jury duty. He's like so many mornings I'd wake up and it's Cody and Andrew on the back patio, you know, hammering out this thing. And I was like, you guys aren't going to be able to pull this off. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't know I that. Finally, I've seen the whole, uh, I've seen the whole series now and it's great. Yeah. So good. 
Yeah. I just love James Marsden is my hero for doing that and for making himself such an asshole. It's such a good It's move. just funny to me the years we spent on the same back patio and we made like ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the genius of that back patio, the genius yeah. it produces. Like, I mean it, it produced Tony Hawk and Maya Angelou did a radio show from there, right? Yeah. Do people yeah. know that that Tony Hawk like spent his adolescence at that house also? I see, I don't think Dan Harmon knows that. Like I, I, I want Herman. to, I want to go by when I'm in LA, I want to go by and get my fucking mail <laughs> and then want to be like, Oh, by the way, like, did you know this about the house? Remember yeah. all of our plans to go through. So the garage was a hoarder nightmare. It was like five feet of junk, five feet high, the entire garage. There was but a Rhodes knew, piano out there that I a never... Rhodes. So we we're like, we got to dig out the roads. we got to sell this roads. Who does it belong to? <laughs> right. I could never get to it. It was so much junk. Yeah, but yeah, we did. We went through paperwork and found Tony Hawk proof of proof of Tony Hawk. There's proof of life in there. We yeah. found that that contract from 1987 that was like his first professional endorsement deal. And then I still haven't found proof of the rumors were that Marilyn Monroe had swum in that pool at some point because it was like oh a right McCarthy era Hollywood McCarthy era something meeting point. Who the or fuck something. knows? I uh, did. Did you do anything with that Tony Hawk? I, mean, I took you, a picture of it just because like oh he gets some, cool. probably get some money for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> There was that 1986 skate competition sticker on the sliding glass door, so you would walk door. through the glass. And I was like, oh, it's probably put there in 86 by Tony Hawk. That's probably not yeah. like a nostalgic. Yeah. And then what's the story with the Maya Angelou radio show? I don't know. There was a radio show know. she used to host. I didn't even know the house. house had a basement for like three years. It's the creepiest. You know? Can you even call was that a like, basement? Was Maya Angelou's show like a kind of morning zoo kind of deal? <laughs> Sound effects. <laughs> Hey, it's Maya and the douche coming at you from <laughs> Maya and the douche. <laughs> oh my god! I know why the cage bird queefs. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um. <laughs> uh, that's so stupid. Um. Yeah, I miss that house a lot. I miss, I mean, like, at least I appreciated it. I think every day I knew I was living on borrowed time and getting that pool and be like, I'm not going to have a pool like this for long. Yeah, I definitely missed the, the pool parties. There was definitely. Um, I mean, I didn't know. I was the, because Andy, you visited and then you're like, can I live here too? Because that was back when the pool was green too. I know, I know. But you've, you visited me there because I just been, I, I didn't know that I had like won the lottery. I was just like staying and I was like, uh, it was the first place that I lived in LA. Like they, they were just like, we have a couch you can crash on for like a week. And then I was like, can I rent a room here? And they go, yeah. So I didn't know, I hadn't even researched like, uh, how much rent normally was, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know. It was crazy. That, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know the time was that borrowed. And so I, think I probably I was... did take it a little for granted. But then once pool parties started and stuff, like people would come over and they're like, this is insane. And then it was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this won't last. They're going to sell this place. You were probably paying less than I was since you came in sooner, right? What were you paying? 800 Oh, that's a sweet deal. I think I was almost 1000 but I had the whole wing of the house with my own bathroom. You had your own bathroom. Yeah. I had to see Stu naked in the kitchen like every night. <laughs> Are we going to uh, find out if and when Stu and Brendan pass away? We'll find out. I guess out. not if, but when. You'll feel it. <laughs> Disturbance in the force? No, we'll find out. Okay. Yeah, I wish we'd documented everything there a little better as we talked about. But also, whenever we describe it to people, they're like, that's a show. Like, no, that's a hacky show. If you made that show, people would be like, that's there's no way these people live together in a house. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Do we have any well, other? We should, uh, yeah. What do we got here? Well, I think we should probably wrap up the episode. But um, just general general thoughts on. 500 having well obviously we're gonna stop doing this podcast for no obviously we're gonna keep going uh i think you know i think we keep going onward together on into the future um right you guys aren't trying to quit are you no i I want to get back keep going we have to get back to australia we have to go back it's like lost yeah Yeah, i was i was gonna try and sort out an australia new zealand tour that coincided with the women's world cup and then i didn't I think it's still feasible. Uh, we got to just like reach back out again to our. Oh, it's, it's feasible to go there, but not for the Women's World Cup, which is oh, no, now. No. That's happening literally right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you? I didn't know you were a big 
Uh, it is happening right now. And the U.S. Yeah, is playing tonight. They're playing Vietnam tonight. They're playing the opening game at 6 o'clock. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. England is playing their first game at 2.30 in the morning our time, which is not fun. Uh, I... So I'll probably... Oh, so the U.S. is playing a, what is it, a morning game then? There? E- yes. Yeah. Like one be. of the first yeah, games and... of the day or something? Yeah, it'll be a morning game there, whereas, yeah, right. England will be playing... I presume it was timed intentionally, because 2.30 in the morning here will be, like, 10.30 in the morning in England, so it's designed to be at a time that most English yeah. people are awake, right? but not the ones who live in California. So why were you... I didn't know you were a big Women's World Cup guy. Well, we've got... Uh, yeah, like, we've also... I didn't know you were a football season- guy. I didn't know anything about... We got, have we talked about we got season tickets to, the, to Angel City, the women's soccer team out here okay uh which if you when you finally get around to moving out to california you can come along we've got extra tickets it's always it's a fun time yeah Uh, i mean hasn't it been like crazy packed especially by the standards of women's soccer traditionally in the u.s like they've done yeah they've done a very good job of selling the team it's been they play in the same stadium that lafc plays in which is over twenty thousand, and they fill it up that's it's uh yeah it's great so it's a fun atmosphere. It's really enjoyable. But uh, but England wow. women's team are going in as one of the favorites. Like okay. America is still the number one favorite, but England won the Euros. And it's and not it's not UK. It's England. So you get, do you guys also send like Scotland teams and stuff? Scotland hasn't qualified this oh, okay. year. Um, but yes, there is a there are. There is a Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland team. I'll never understand that. Like no one else has subsets of their like UN designated nation, right? Like- yeah, it's to do with because there are separate football associations because they're separate leagues. Oh, so there's a separate Scottish league and a Northern Irish league and a Welsh league. Although even more confusingly, some a couple of the biggest Welsh teams play in the English league. Right. Well, yeah, I was just thinking, how many square miles, I mean, how many teams, how many Welsh teams could there be, you know? A surprising number. There are so many soccer teams in Britain. Okay. There is, there are, there are right. so many teams. Like, um, there are, I, th- the number changes from year to year, but there, I think there's something like seven out of the 20 Premier League teams right now are in London alone. Wow. Jesus. I know. And there's another bunch of teams in lower leagues. So yeah, there's a lot. So like, like every little town has a team. Two years ago, Nashville got Nashville FC in like a new stadium. But yep. the thing that blew my mind is how like out of the gate, everyone – I felt like I missed like a meeting. Like everyone had – the everyone's wearing the jerseys and has the scarves and they're, they know the chance. I'm like, we came up with chance. It's like the first, yeah, they the did first the same game. with Angel City when it started and LAFC. I, I, I find that a little corny. Like, uh, yeah, I do like, find I, myself cringing a bit with that, where it's like the chance in English teams really sort of came about organically. Or, you right, know, so I'm sure they've fans. developed over years and years. But Yeah, like a couple of diehard fans on the way, you know, on the bus up to an away game, like, come on, we're like, oh, here's one. How, how about this? And then it sort of catches on. Whereas, sure. Like the Angel City had a website so that's like angelcitychance.com or whatever. And it's like, uh, here, here, learn the chance before you come to the game. It's no, like, no. ah, that's kind of like, oh, yeah, that sort of top down, top well, so, down enthusiasm makes me cringe a bit. Yeah. It feels yeah, a bit sort of like church camp kind of feel. Very much so. Yeah. Because everyone was like just this super fan overnight. And I was like, because I remember when uh, Nashville got the NHL team, I was living here. I was in, uh, I don't know, I was in eighth grade or something. And that was organic because, like, the people here at the time didn't even know how hockey worked. So they were, like, learning as they went. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but here, it's like everyone's immediately all in. And, I mean, I, it would take me a few games even to know what's happening, I think. Yeah. Or at least there, the big advantage with football as a sport is that with a few specific exceptions, the rules are very simple. Like, sure. there's not much to... Like, yeah, things like the offside rule or specific fouls might be a bit confusing, but for the most part, it's just the game doesn't stop and start. It keeps running, and there is only one way of scoring, and it's very obvious. Right. And it's the one guy gets to use gloves. Yeah, one guy gets to use gloves. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's got a bit of a 90s thing going. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Good, good luck in the World Cup. Again, I'm yeah. sure they're they're listening. They did the their everyone's yeah. prob Barmanheimer. So I'm sure all, sus- the, all the ladies on the teams are listening. Absolutely, yeah. But it's going to be exciting. It's going to. I highly recommend watching it. And also, um, if I'm you want to primer, game there, I'm going to watch this US game. If you want a primer as well, there is a a podcast I recommend that um, is done by Rebecca Lowe, who's the anchor of a lot of the coverage of soccer on American TV, and Brendan Hunt, who is Coach Beard in Ted Lasso. Oh, uh, they have a podcast called After the Whistle, and. They did it at the last World Cup, the Men's World Cup, and now they're doing it for the Women's one. And the first episode is a solid primer on each of the countries and their teams. I would listen to that just for Brendan Hunt. That guy is fascinating to me. Did we talk about how he could have been, he was in the regular contestant pool for Jeopardy? I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me. He's he al- a smart guy. Yeah, he almost won Celebrity Jeopardy. He he missed like a layup final Jeopardy that would have gotten him into the finals. But he was, I mean... It was one of the better players. And in 2020, the same time I, I had tried out, he qualified and Ted Lasso wasn't out. So he was just civilian Brendan Hunt. So yeah, who I don't you think might recognize other... from some bit parts and some stuff. Or... Right. But like, I don't know if there's anybody who's ever been in Celebrity Jeopardy who had also qualified for regular Jeopardy before becoming a celebrity. And just Mussolini was on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> you see that before he was... Before, before he was the famous dictator Benito Mussolini, he was on Wheel of Fortune. It's crazy. So <laughs> uh, we wrap things uh, up and do a little bonus uh, for the Patreon. Patrons? I think we should. I think, I think so. we should. Uh, yeah, yeah, but listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us. Particularly, Absolutely. I know some of you have been there from the beginning, and also some of you. I find this even weirder, the ones who joined after a while and then went, I've gone from the beginning and we're working, we'll get messages from people going, all right, this is where we're up to now. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, that is a ridiculous amount. But uh, thank you everyone, whenever you joined us uh, uh, for listening to us, we appreciate it. We really do. You know where to find us. We're on on all the the Twitter and the Facebook and probablyscience.com and individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen and probably science at gmail.com is the email address for any questions comments clarifications stories you want us to cover and uh we will see you for 501 yeah all right bye bye